This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It's time for another episode of your women's basketball podcast, Around the Rim, brought to you by ESPNW. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, and making all this work and come together so beautifully is our producer, Tarika Brasby. What an exciting time right now in the WNBA. And fans, this show is one that you will not want to miss. We have with us Recently inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame, one of the WNBA greatest players, and that is Cheryl Swoops joining us for the show. We also have the Rookie of the Year in the WNBA. I mean, it hasn't been announced, but let's just, you know, come on. Brianna Stewart is hands down unanimously going to be the Rookie of the Year of the WNBA could be on some ballots for first team. We will have her as well later in the show. So with that, let's jump into the action. First quarter. First thing we are going to talk about to open the show is the playoff. So we are less than a week away from the WNBA playoff kicking off. And I am going to fill you guys in on kind of where things stand Basically, Minnesota and L.A. have clinched the one and two spots. So Minnesota will have home court advantage throughout the WNBA finals. Those are also the two teams that will get a double bye to the semifinals, which means they don't have to play in the first or second round. First and second round are single elimination games. We don't know who will play in those games yet because there's still a lot to be decided. What has been decided is seven out of the eight teams that will qualify for the playoffs, keeping in mind that this year the WNBA playoff teams are decided by winning percentage only. It has nothing to do with conference. So as of today, we mentioned Minnesota's in, LA's in, New York Liberty is in, Chicago Sky is in, Indiana Fever is in, the Atlanta Dream is in, the Seattle Storm is in. And that last spot is going to be between the Phoenix Mercury and the Washington Mystics. So that should be decided soon. Connecticut Sun has been eliminated numerically along with Dallas and San Antonio. Now, with that being said, it's interesting right now to see what teams are doing to prepare for the playoffs. Some teams are resting players where they can. Um, Some teams are playing different lineups, but I know one thing for a fact is pretty much everyone four through eight is still jockeying for position because that's how tight it is right now. Of course, if you finish in that fourth position that the Chicago Sky temporarily hold, you will be a part of getting a buy. So you will not have to play in the first round and instead will wait um, your opponent for your opponent in that second round. Um, while we mentioned the Chicago Sky, big news, Elena Deladon suffered a thumb injury on her shooting hand and has had to have surgery, which we are happy to hear. Everything went well, uh, but uh, there's no timetable for Elena's return. So our prayers and thoughts are with you, Elena. But what happens with the Chicago Sky if she is unable to return for the playoffs. Well, we may have gotten a sneak peek into exactly that on Tuesday night for ESPN's big WNBA matchup, which was an overtime victory for the Chicago Sky at home over the Minnesota Lynx. Let's hear from our ESPN analyst, Rebecca Lobo, her thoughts on what Chicago was like without Elena. 
Chicago has to feel great about how they played tonight, the production they got from their rookie, Imani Boyed, off the bench, the leadership shown by Cappy Pondexter, the smart plays at the end of regulation by Courtney Vandersloot. Every individual and coach for Chicago has to feel so good going away from this win. Now, we have to mention that there was no Lindsey Whalen for Minnesota, which obviously is a difference. She sat out in that game, played uh, as part of the coaching staff, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I, Rebecca did mention in the game that she should be returning. So Minnesota with still some games left in the regular season, we are expecting to see Lindsey Whalen, but she did not play in that game. So a little bit of a different look um, as well as Rebecca noting that Cheryl Reeve was going to be um, playing her starters sporadically in hopes of getting some resting that they did clinch that number one overall seed. But exciting game. I mean, 50 cents was in attendance. I mean, it was a star studded crowd, uh, lots of excitement. You know, Rebecca mentioned the plays by Imani Boyette. She had a nice block. Kathy Pondexter, to me, is the key. She was 11 for 18 from the field, which is sensational. 24 points. Um, This is a player who has two WNBA championships already. She's been a finals MVP, and she really wants to win a championship for her hometown. So that coupled with Courtney Vandersloot, some big plays by Tamara Young, uh, Pokey Chapman saw that her team could still have some success, even though it was an undermanned Minnesota Lynx team. Maya Moore did have 27 points, along with Sylvie Fowles having 17 and, and seven rebounds. She fouled out in that game. Simone Augustus had 17 points. But we at least get to see a little bit of Chicago without Elena, which looks like they will at least uh, be able to make a push in the early part of the playoffs. So moving along, just to look quickly down the standings for the WNBA, talk a, a little bit about each team. L.A. got back on their winning ways, but they still don't look like the L.A. of early on of the season. Um, New York is still doing pretty well, though they've had some injuries to Denisha Wright and Kia Stokes. Uh, that will be a big part of what they look like in the playoffs. The Indiana Fever, of they have to make a catchings, and that's really all that needs to be said. So they're always a dangerous team in the playoffs. The Atlanta Dream has had some amazing ups and downs this year. Um, I thought that they would be a lock for that four position, but Angel McCautry did not play in their Tuesday night game against San Antonio Stars, and they lost that game, a game that I thought they would be able to win even without Angel. So that may impact their ability to slide into position to get that by. Seattle's probably the hottest team in the league right now, other than uh, the Minnesota Lynx, consider the fact that the Lynx did just drop one um, without Lindsey Whalen. But the Seattle Storm has won four in a row, and, boy, they look fantastic behind Sue Bird. Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd, along with a growing supporting cast, worried about the Phoenix Mercury. Very worried. They had a chance to clinch home court on Tuesday night against L.A. and just did not have a great showing. So we'll see how they move along. But I'm pretty sure if they're able to win one or Washington, the Mystics, lose one, then Phoenix will be in. So we'll see how that pans out. And fans, with that, that's your rundown in the first quarter, and we will head to the second. Second quarter, inside the huddle. 
basketball fans, we welcome you inside the huddle where we have an exclusive interview, guys. That's right. We are joined right now by a member of the newest class of the Naismith Hall of Fame. She won four WNBA titles. She was a league MVP three different times and also three Olympic gold medalists. Please welcome to the show Cheryl Swoops. Welcome, Cheryl. Thanks for having me, Latina. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm excited. Thank you. Trust me, we feel honored because all we've been doing is watching you on TV and reading articles and, and seeing you like everywhere in celebration of this Hall of Fame. And let me be one of the first, and probably not the first actually, to say how great of a job you did in that setting. Like when I think about that class, it was, you know, great, Shaq, we all love AI. You were our representative, not just for women's basketball, but for women's sports in general. The way you carried yourself, the way you spoke about, you know, your life and your career. And, honey, let me tell you this. Your mama was so proud in, in that crowd. It looked like an amazing night. What was that experience like for you? Man, um, God, you said so much in that one or two sentences. I want to make things. <laughs> You know, but, but my first thought was how, how honored I was and, you know, still so very humbled by, by the moment. You know, it was, it was four long days, but those days went by so quickly. Um, but to, to be able to be in that setting and, and celebrate that moment with my mom and, and everyone I've spoken to said, oh, my gosh, when they put the camera on your mom, she was glowing. And I said, well, that's a great thing. I'm glad she was. And, and I felt the, the excitement for her, and, and I could tell how proud she was. So to, to share that moment with her was special for me. Um, you know, I, I'm an AI fan, a Shaq fan, a Yao fan. I, I'm, I'm a bigger Tom Izzo fan, just having an opportunity to spend four days with him. He's such a, a classy guy, and, and I really admire him. But, you know, I, I wanted to represent for for the women and as you said not just the basketball players but for women around the world everywhere athletes non-athletes and and I and I put a lot of pressure on myself to be able to do that because I, I knew that you know it was going to be all about Shaq and, and AI and Yao and I tried to hold my own and, and represent well and, and it was such an incredible opportunity for me to to speak from my heart and, and to speak about my my life and my career and uh, be very grateful and, and thankful to the women who came before me and, and tried to leave a very good imprint on the women who will come after me. And, you know, it was, it was again, a, an incredible night and incredible honor and to be in the midst of so many talented, phenomenal Hall of Famers, um, you know, past, present and, and future. It was, it was a great night for me. And, and I'm so honored that I was able to, to, to be a part of that class and, and to share it with so many incredible people who were a huge part of my success in, in my journey. Well, you did do exactly that, and you did it so eloquently and so beautifully. I do have to ask you this one question, because I always wonder this okay. when people are inducted into any Hall of Fame or anything. Did you leave that night and say, dang, I forgot to, I forgot to thank so-and-so? Did you have yes, that moment? And yes, if so, here is your, yes. here is your chance, Cheryl, on the podcast. <laughs> We're going to let you say whatever you forgot to say that night. I'm here for it. Go ahead. Oh, my gosh. Now you're really putting me on the spot. You know, in, in preparation for my speech um, and, and getting ready for it, I, I didn't, as you know or you may not know, we, we had a time frame. So they said try and keep it between yeah. seven to eight minutes. 
So I'm standing there and I'm going through my speech and I looked out at the timer and I only had a minute left and I was halfway through my speech. So I, I cut out a few people um, in, in hopes that I would have an opportunity later to thank them, which I did. I got to thank some of them personally. But, you know, you always worry about going too long, not going long enough. And when you start thanking people individually, you do. You worry that you're going to leave some people out. Um Mm-hmm. And I and I tried to I tried to hit the important people who I knew would be watching and and wanted to make sure I got thank yous out to them. But one person, seriously in particular that that I did not who I had in my speech and I had to take him out because it was um, I was going over my time was Les Alexander, the owner of the Rockets and the Comet. Um, oh. You know, I, I had a paragraph in there where I really wanted to talk about you know my time with the Comets and and being with the Rockets and. I had a thank you in there to Les, who, you know, during our Comets run and that dynasty and everything, you know, Les was an incredible owner, uh, and he gave me and, and all of my teammates an opportunity to do something that we didn't know if we would have that chance. And, you know, I definitely want to go back and tell him thank you for that opportunity and everything that he did for the Comets back in the day and um, everything that he's meant for the WNBA and, and for the Comets. So, Forgive me, my mom says, charge it to my head and not my heart. Um, I definitely have to go back and, and say thank you to him. Well, officially, it is on file. Less okay. Cheryl says thank you. And I would have to agree with you that, you know, that kind of support was so important in those early WNBA days to have an owner, to have someone associated with these organizations that really believed in it and, and really would treat the women's side like a professional team. And so that was very important. Okay, good. I was, I was hoping because I know this AI went over his time. I know that for a fact. So I was saying to my Somebody asked, well, Somebody asked me if, if, I loan, if I let him borrow some of my time. Yeah, because you were so timely. I didn't, I didn't plan on it. I didn't plan right. on it. I think but, mine ended up being 11 minutes, and so I was like, oh, bummer. So I did go over my time. But, you know, it's so hard girl, to get – uh, it's so hard to get everything in in such a short period of time. So thank you for giving yeah, me that yeah. Well, we we are glad that you came to our show because we really enjoyed your speech and the whole thing. We were like, we got to get Cheryl on the show. So let's fast forward or rewind, I guess, either way you want to put it. Um, With this being the 20th season, obviously your name, one of the 20th greatest player, you were a no-brainer to make that list. Uh, I, I think about the days when on my team, on my college team, we had your shoes. Like our guards had Cheryl Swoops and the post players had their Lisa Les. Like, y'all were the thing to be. As we have been reflecting all year on the 20th season of the WNBA, what stands out most to you about your time with the league? Man, Latina, that's two things. First of all, you're making me feel really old to say you guys have my kids <laughs> in college. But you were like 21, though. You were like 21, yeah, so okay. it's okay. okay. <laughs> if I told you how old though. I was when I had your shoes, Cheryl, you would really be like, Tarika, stop it. <laughs> oh, my God. But I had so many people come up to me this past weekend and talk about my shoe and them wearing my shoe, and I actually signed a few pairs, so... Yeah, I did. I, I went. I went back a little bit. It was. It was. It was great to see, though. But when I think about, you know, the the WNBA and and it's twenty years later, like it's that's crazy to think about. And especially when people said, you know, here we go again, another professional league. It won't last. It won't be good. And you know, twenty years later, we're saying, look at us now. 
you know, and when I say us, because I do, I still feel very much a part of, of the movie. Um, you know, it's such a, a big family. And there were so many remarkable moments that I had personally. But I, I probably would say the, the, the thing that stands out to me the most would be me having Jordan. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, him traveling around the world and traveling to all of the games with me. And he became the league's child. Um, he was not just mm-hmm. Cheryl's son. He was he was the league's child, you know. And that's how everybody kept up with the age of the league and the age of Jordan because, <laughs> you know, I had him the same time that the league started. And I just remember putting so much pressure on myself to, to come back mm-hmm. as soon as possible and, and try and represent, not, not just as a basketball player and for the W, but to represent – for all the women out there who honestly feel like or felt like they had to make sacrifices. Either, you know, if you start a family, you have to give up your career, or if you have your career, you can't start a family. And and I would like to think that I was sort of an example of being able to do both. Yeah, it was tough and it was hard, but, you know, I, I didn't give more to being a parent than I did being an athlete and having a career. I tried to handle both of them equally. And, and the most important part for me was be, was having those people around me and in my corner that understood the importance of both. And, you know, they, they mm-hmm. helped me be able to, to, to handle both of them. Well, you, I'll tell you this. It's funny you mentioned Jordan because there was a point, obviously, in your speech where they showed him in the crowd, and I had to do a double take, Cheryl. I mean, that he is a grown man at this point, and he very is. handsome, might oh I add, God. and very he athletic. Is. I've I've seen some of his athletic plays all over Twitter and YouTube and stuff. Um, so you did a fantastic job with that. But I, I'd never thought about the kind of pressure you you must have been under, you know, being probably the most recognizable name as the league launched and, and having in experiencing pregnancy and having a child. And then the pressure of, of getting back to the game must have been tremendous. Um, but you did come back and thank God you did because without you and everything you've done for this league, it would not be here. Your name is still synonymous with the WNBA and with women's basketball. And I have a good feeling that it will always be that way. Now, Cheryl, you do have to fill us in on kind of the next uh, part of your career. I know, unfortunately, um, you were let go at Loyola Chicago. However, mm-hmm. from what I understand, things are looking up in terms of you just having a, a really, really bright future ahead. You know, Latrina, I'm a firm believer um, that everything happens for a reason. And, you know, there, the time when it happens, we don't really understand it. At least I don't. And you start questioning why and, and all of those things, which I did. But, you know, I am in a very, very good place right now. I, I couldn't be happier. Um, I'm, I'm back in Texas where I feel I belong. Um, you know, and, and with my mom being ill, it was important for me to be able to get back home and, and be closer to her, which I'm doing. I can tell you that I will definitely stay involved with, with the game. You know, I'm, I'm working on a few things. I, I've always wanted to start my um, Cheryl Coop Basketball Academy. Uh, had an opportunity to yes. talk to yeah, at the Hall of Fame. Um, that's, that's something that I'm definitely going to start working on. And, you know, got a couple of other things in the works um, so that I don't want to talk about right now. But I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm happy. You know, I, I, I hate things turned out the way they did. But, again, um, 
I'm good. I'm in a great place. Um, and, and things will work out the way they're supposed to. Well, I'm a firm believer as well that everything happens for a reason. And, you know, I am, people already knows about me, a woman of faith. The word says, yeah. I know the plans I have for you. And you have a yeah. long life ahead of you, Cheryl, regardless of whatever has happened in the past. The good thing is that the future is ahead. And I am happy to hear that you're going to stick with the game of basketball because the game needs you oh, in whatever yeah. capacity that is. But you have to promise when you are ready to talk about exactly what you got because it sounds like some big stuff going on. You have to come back on the show. I don't know how I can say no to you. Like, I'm not going to tell you this. I am a fan. I think what you do for the game and the way you do it, it's so classy and so elegant. And I follow your tweets, and some of them are absolutely hilarious. But I totally admire <laughs> like <my mom>. what. <laughs> yeah, I totally admire you, and I admire what you do. And so I also want to say thank you, and I would love to come back on your show anytime. Thank you thank so you. much for that. We will be back right after halftime. Third quarter scouting report. Fans, it's time for the scouting report, and today we have a special guest for our players' perspective. Now, I know every week I say we got a special guest, and that's true, but this young lady is very special to me, not only because she's amazing on the basketball court, but she's an awesome person, and it's been so fun to watch her do outstanding things in the world. Please welcome the 2016 number one draft pick in the WNBA, Brianna Stewart. Welcome, Brianna. Thank you. And let me just set the record straight, okay? The name is Brianna. I, nothing annoys me more than when I hear people say Brianna. Does that bother you, Stewie? Um, yeah, it does. I think it's, you know, it's a little annoying, but you, you have to learn to, to kind of get over it and get used to people pronouncing your name wrong. Well, you know what? That's fine. I, you can be nice and kind about it. I am going to be on a rampage. I've decided because it's the one thing that annoys me because I know when people call me Lachina, I'm not happy. <laughs> like, <laughs> my name is Lachina. So, anyway, I'm, I'm with your grandmother in making sure that we get the word out there. I guess my Thank first you. question for you, welcome to the show. My goodness, what a year it has. It hasn't even been a whole calendar year, and you've done so many amazing things. How are you surviving national championship, draft, Olympic golds, now headed to the playoffs? How are you surviving all this? Um, just keep uh, just keep going. You know, I think that uh, the goals that I've had set forth in front of me and, you know, being able to accomplish them and then uh, coming to Seattle Making the playoffs was huge for us, and the fact that we did that, and you know, now with two regular season games left, uh, see see what else we can do. I mean, saying for y'all to make the playoffs is huge is totally an understatement. It's like gigantic because let's just let's just look back, okay. This year has been a little rough in Seattle. I mean, you probably uh, yeah, lost <laughs> you probably lost more games this year than you maybe have in your entire career UConn, maybe your entire high school career. I mean, let's what do you think? Uh, it's definitely more than I've lost in UConn. And okay. I think probably more than I've lost in in high school as well, you know. Yeah. We have 17 losses. That's a lot. Yep. That's a lot. And I would probably tack AAU on there as well, so more losses <laughs> at AAU. How have you dealt with that aspect? Because you've weathered the storm well. I talked to uh, Mariah Jefferson about the same thing. How have you dealt with the losing and been able to push through that part of it? Uh, well, it's been hard. You know, it's it's hard trying to 
um, running into that adversity and, you know, not letting it become, you know, the norm. And obviously with a new team, you have to try and, you know, rebuild things. And, And with Seattle, the franchise, has been so dominant at times and we want to get it back to where, where it once was. And, um, you know, just really having the mentality that, you know, every single game, it seemed like we were in every game. So yep. really fighting for wins and uh, getting better. And I think that post-Olympic break, you know, everyone can see how much this team has just had time to, to really develop and get better individually and collectively. Yeah, so this push that y'all have made to get into the playoffs has really been phenomenal because the question was, will the Olympians be tired? Isn't Stewie tired? I mean, Sue, <laughs> she had a, a lot of responsibility in the Olympics. I mean, she she had an injury that we were concerned about. And here right. you guys c- coming out like gangbusters and now <laughs> are arguably the scariest team out here. Did y'all have a meeting and talk about this? Did y'all pass around some magic juice? Like, what happened <laughs> for this push to happen? Well, I think when we came back with the gold medal, that was it was motivating to kind of turn things around with however many games we have left with, with a storm. And, you know, when Sue and I got back, you know, we could just sense it, that something was different about the team. You know, people's confidence was different. Um, it wasn't wavering. And people, they just, I don't know, there was a different mentality and a different approach to things. And, uh, and they did a lot more fun on the court. And then, you know, every single game we go out, we enjoy ourselves, and uh, we're putting ourselves in the best position we can. And you put yourself in the position at this point to really surprise and possibly upset some people in the playoffs. I picked you guys as my dark horse to make it to the semifinals. So we will see how that goes. But let's talk a little bit of stewing, okay, because your numbers in the WNBA have been fantastic. I mean, you're at the top of five in so many different categories from defensive rebounds or overall rebounds. Um, you know, your your scoring is up, steals. I mean, to be your size and get steals the way you do, obviously blocks, you're in the top five in the league. Um, how have you been able to find success? If you had to pinpoint just one thing? I mean, I don't know. I think that, you know, having Sue here and to be able to have her use her as, as guidance to go through all of this, uh, obviously, you know, we, we are different positions, but uh, she's been through, you know, coming from UConn and the transition and that type of thing. And then, you know, just wanting to really make an impact on this team and trying to do whatever I can um, while I'm out there and uh, trying to get us to, to be able to win. And you've played, I mean, in three different systems. When you go back to playing at UConn in April um, and then moving on to Seattle and learning the system there, and then you go to the Olympics and things are a little bit different, um, What have how have you been able to adapt to all the different requirements and all the plays and different defensive schemes? Like, are you low-key brilliant and we didn't really <laughs> recognize that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a genius. <laughs> and I tell people that all the time. But I think that, you know, being at UConn for four years, you know, that stuff becomes, like, ingrained in your mind. And then mm-hmm. still being able to play under coach at the Olympics, a lot of the stuff is similar. Uh, coming to Seattle is a little different because, you know, I haven't had to learn plays in a long mm-hmm. time. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just an adjustment, you know, getting used to, to a new system and, you know, even still getting used to a new system, I wouldn't say that, you know, it, it takes it definitely takes time to, to understand all that's going on and, and what, you know, the coaching staff and the other players are trying to do. 
And as you've developed your game, it's interesting. We hear so many comparisons. We hear she's a young uh, Lauren Jackson. We hear she's Candace Parker with better defense. We hear she, you know, we hear all these, her and Della Don's games are very similar. Um, when you look across the WBA, now that you've had the opportunity to play against some of these players, um, what similarities do you see in your game? But what things do you think are different about the way you play the game? Um, you know, I think when you, you talk about the players you you listed, you obviously see the versatility um, that that they have and that I have. And I think that uh, differences I see is just, just the way in which I play it. You know, a lot of people um, say that I have, like, a different approach to, to the way I play the game just because I'm so uh, nonchalant is what it seems like. <laughs> um, I mean, that's the truth. But... I don't know. It's it's hard for me to 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 pinpoint things. Well, let me just say this, okay? You are cool. Like, there's a difference, okay? Nonchalant is maybe like Kevin Durant. Like, sometimes Kevin Durant, I watch him, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, can he play hard a couple more possessions? You play hard every <laughs> okay, po- okay. every possession. He, you play hard every possession, but you make it look easy. Like, seriously, you – I look at your stat line at the end of the game, and you make it look so easy. So, if there's one area that you would say, okay – Brianna Stewart needs to write this on her goal sheet so that she can be even better next year in the WNBA. What would that be? Um, you know, I think continuing to, to build on defense and offensive rebounding, uh, becoming more of a, a threat in that direction. Oh, okay. So getting some offensive rebounds and putbacks? Yeah, something like that. Okay, okay. So let's talk for a minute off the court because I'm curious about this. So you get into the WNBA, and, you know, I know rookies aren't making Diana Taurasi-type money, (laughs) but when you got your first paycheck, what was something you splurged on this summer, like, or when you started to get your WNBA money? One thing. Um, I don't know. I haven't really bought anything, like, big. No? I don't okay. think I've bought anything big. Maybe nothing big, but what have you spent most of your money on besides food? Because I see your Snapchat. You like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think that, I don't know, like concerts. Like I'm going to the Drake and Future concert, and, you know, I made sure that I got a pretty a pretty good seat for that. Oh, um, front row, like when Drake starts sweating, you might get hit with a couple beads of sweat. I mean, that close? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to be pushed around by the Drake uh, crazies. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you like music. So Drake's on your playlist, Future's on your playlist. What else is on your playlist pregame? Um, pregame, it's Travis Scott. Pretty much a lot of Drake and Future. Now, as you roll towards the playoffs, what kind of excitement does that give you? I mean, you could win a WNBA championship in your first season. Like, what? What? what's your mindset right now? Well, I think it's really exciting. Um, I think that with this new format, you know, a lot can happen. And really taking advantage of that and taking advantage of, you know, playing as the underdog. And, you know, like you said, the first two rounds are, are one-game elimination. And I think that, you know, being able to put things together like we have in the last 10 games or so and keep pushing forward, um, I don't know. If I was other teams, I wouldn't really want to play us either. 
<laughs> Put him on notice. Put him on notice, I, mean, <laughs> I love that you did that, though. I wouldn't want to put, listen, I watch all of y'all play. I would not, you were the one team I would not want to play right now. Y'all have so much confidence. Lane got hurt. Y'all still were good. Lane came back. You're still winning. Like, it's it's really amazing to see, honestly. Yes, um, I mean, it's, we're really having a lot of fun. And, you know, obviously it helps when you're winning, but... It's it's been a, a great ride, and you know I'm happy we get to continue to extend it before we all have to go overseas. Now you've done some fun things off the court too. I've seen you in Times Square. I saw you with Robin Roberts. What's been your funnest off the basketball court experience? Um, you know I think my my best off the court experience, you know, being able to go to Robin Roberts and and GMA that was cool. That was really cool, and then. Um, Honored at the Yankees game. Well, I, I don't know. I have a tie. And and the U.S. Open. Oh, amazing. yeah. Did you get to see Serena before she got no, outed? No, no. We saw, we saw Murray and um, I don't remember who he played. Oh, nice. The atmosphere was great, though. Yeah, it was crazy. That looks so fun. I see so many pictures of it, and I was like, I want to be there. And then, of course, we can't forget about the gold medal. I mean, that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, too. yeah. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> All right, it's a couple more questions for me. I'll let you go. My one, Okay, this is how I'll do it. We have this thing we call three-on-three. Three. So I'm going to ask you three more questions, and I'll let you go. So okay. when I ask you this question, you got to give me the first answer that comes to mind, okay? Okay, yeah. All right, we'll play it. Ready? Who has been the hardest player for you to guard this year? Not just in the WNBA. You could also go back to college. I'm saying in 2016, who's been the toughest player for you to defend? Um, you know, I think the, the toughest player for me to defend has been probably Candace Parker, Maya. I have oh, no. Maya, Sylvia. I have ties. Wait, that is not a tie. That's a three-way. You said Maya, Candace, and Sylvia? Yeah. I mean, those are the three okay. that came up top of my head. If the fact that you had to play Maya, I might have to talk to Jenny about that. <laughs> All right. Second question is, do you like Sue Bird's hair better straight or curly? Um, I like it curly, except a lot of my family and friends, they say when they're watching the game, they get confused on whether which one is me or Sue because our hair is both, like, in that way. Hers is curlier than mine, though. I could see that. I was just getting ready to say, when you wear your hair straight, like, your hair looks like the straight Sue ponytail. Like, I could totally <laughs> see that. Now, you don't look like you wear as many products in your hair. Don't tell Sue I said that. She looks like she l- used a little more gel and spritz in hers <laughs> to keep it, like, to keep it shiny on the front part. <laughs> but, yeah, okay, all right. I'll take that. Okay, my last question is, would you or would you not buy a pair of Steph Curry's tennis shoes? Uh, I would not because <laughs> I'm sponsored with Nike. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Okay. That's a good ex- That's a good excuse, but we all know that those are the most unattractive shoes we're ever seeing. Can we agree on that? We can agree. We Okay, good. We can agree on that. Stewie, thank you so much for your time, and good luck in the playoffs. I'm excited to watch you... Um, Go for another championship. Wow. It'll be fun. Awesome. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. Keep doing your thing, girl. Thank you. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. 
Well, fans, it's your favorite segment of the show. That's right. It's the fourth quarter, which is our out-of-bounds segment. And as promised, in the fourth quarter, for as long as Tariq and I can see uh, moving forward, we decided to have a different guest on the show to talk about Pat Summit, their memories, what Pat's legacy has been to women's basketball. And we are really excited to have with us today um, none other than the vice president for Women's Sports Programming, Carol Stiff. Welcome, Carol. Thank you. Thank you. Carol, you've been with ESPN for over 20 years in, in various capacities, including programming um, on the women's basketball side. I mean, I don't know that we would have women's basketball coverage the way we do on ESPN or any other platform if not for your work. So let's start with that. Let's talk about what Pat has meant to the exposure and the marketing of, of women's basketball. Well, that was a very kind intro. I appreciate that, but it certainly does take a team. And the, the, one of the best leaders was Pat Summit. She always uh, took a game wherever we wanted her to play. She was the first to play in the desert out in Phoenix. She uh, played the uh, the memorable Martin Luther King game in January when she was uh, in her SEC schedule. She, she'd she play at midnight uh, and have everyone in their pajamas if we asked her. Um, whenever she, she knew the importance of TV exposure uh, early on, and she always rose to the occasion. And when we think about TV exposure, you know, I think I think about Tamika Catchings, for example, you know, in an interview I had with her uh, early this summer, she said she remembers the first time she saw Pat. And, you know, she, of course, she said she was so locked in by, by that icy stare, as we mm-hmm. all have been at some time or another. What were the mm-hmm. conversations happening as Tennessee started to get success, but also as Pat started becoming this captivating presence on ways that you were able to capitalize? on her um, to grow women's basketball fan base? It's a great question. She, uh, I remember first meeting her when I was a, a, bas- a college basketball coach um, after she mm-hmm. won her first national championship game. Um, it's you know, a remarkable story that she was with her coaching staff. It was in Austin, and she was in a restaurant that I was in and um, came out of the women's room, and there's Pat washing her hands. And like with us, you know, normal folk. And I remember, <laughs> you know, looking at her and, you know, congratulations, Coach. And she said, why, thank you. I waited a long time for that one. And she was just like one of us, you know, in the restaurant. Yeah. And her team then joined her, you know, moments later, probably after showering and doing their media call. But she was just one of us. Um, and mm-hmm. I could always pick up the phone and call her. And as she as she became more popular in our world of, of TV land, I could always ask her questions about, what do you think of this matchup? What do you think about this team? Hey, you know, they have a great recruiting class coming in. Do you think they're too young yet? And she she always had the, the visors um, off and was always looking at other teams and promoting, you know, teams outside the SEC. Um, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. she thought would be good key matchups for TV. And we would have those conversations in the springtime, you know, April, May, right after the Final Four. And um, that would help us put our, our game schedule together and, and build Big Monday and, and achieve some of the successes that we've seen with the tournament. So um, always willing to give. 
Yeah, I, and it's interesting you mentioned how she wanted to bring the game, not just Tennessee or the SEC. She wanted to bring women's basketball more exposure. And one of my fondest memories of Pat and watching her was a post-game interview. And I remember her distinctly saying, we've got to get these games on television. We've got to get women's basketball out there and and, and get these women some exposure. So I, we all kind of remember that first memory of meeting Pat. So thank you for sharing that with us. But what are some mm-hmm. other memories you have um, of your time with Pat Summit? Oh, so many fun ones, so many um, off the court, um, you know, memories. Uh, I, I loved watching her cook. Uh, she loved to cook. She <laughs> made, that was her, I think her outlet. I, I remember one year we had the State Farm Tip-Off Classic. So we had four teams in her town of Knoxville and she's hosting this, you know, big tip-off to the season. And uh, that was the the year that she also called WNBA games for ESPN um, with Robin, mm-hmm. and she um, she had the whole crew come back to her house after a game, um, after the games, after the tip off games, and we had a wonderful meal um, that she made every single um, portion of the meal, including homemade ice cream. And I just wow. remember, she, <laughs> you know, she just was so happy in the kitchen, and and. Um, you know, she allowed me to have my parents join us, and, and they had an opportunity to, to taste some fine, you know, southern cooking, cooked food. Um, so I, I loved her off the court, um, and she she was funny. I, I have to tell you this one Martin Luther King um, game uh, story where, you know, obviously the first game was uh, between Tennessee was on Martin Luther King Day at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and history was made. And so that window uh, performed very well with ratings and, and fan avidity. So uh, every year we would program and, and probably nine out of 10 years, UConn was in that game. It could be UConn, Georgia or, or whoever. And one time she came up to me and she goes, hey, Carol. I go, what? She goes, I didn't know Martin, Martin Luther King went to UConn. And that was, <laughs> you know, she had a wit about her. Yeah, she, she had that yeah. wit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. And it's, you know, listening to so many stories, you know, obviously you were at the celebration of Pat's life mm-hmm. in, in Knoxville and were instrumental in getting many of us there in some of the planning. But that's what you heard about Pat was the get togethers, how she liked to have everyone over her house and she liked to cook and entertain and those things. And, you know, that's not the part of Pat that many of us got to see, you know, I mean, we, we saw her in the game, so we did see how caring she was, you know, around the game and with us individually, but it's that kind of entertainer, that, that funny Pat, that kind of behind the scenes that I know a lot of her close friends and people like yourself have been sharing. And speaking of the celebration of life for Pat, how much were you involved in the process of making that happen and, and, um, and the planning of it? Because I heard that, you know, Pat was actually very involved in how mm-hmm. all of that went. Is that is that true to your knowledge as well? To my knowledge, um, I was told by University of Tennessee folks that, that she and, and Tyler planned that entire service. Um, maybe wow. not the, the video of the players and, and Holly, but um, the the musical choices and, and who was going to be speaking, I was told, was, was all her planning. Wow, and, and ESPN obviously covered that as well. Mm-hmm. Now, as we look at 
Pat's legacy and, you know, how we move forward. Let me first start with the basketball side. Pat mm-hmm. Summit brought so many eyes to the game because of who she was, because of, you know, how she used her platform. How can, what do other coaches need to do? What is the responsibility now, you know, that Pat has not only left the game, but left us? Um, what can other coaches do to t- try to create some of that same popularity? Well, I think they have to be open to um, stepping outside comfort zones and playing games that you know we think will will resonate with fan, bringing new fan base to the to the TV set or to dot coms, and just be willing to say yes um, instead of mm-hmm. uh, finding reasons to say no. Um, I think in, engaging and in, in making sure people are buying tickets to more games, we have to support the game. Um, in, in all the all the markets, um, and I think you know, continue to teach the game and mm-hmm. mentor. And you know, we 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 play a lot of games in the AAU land, and um, teaching the fundamentals of the game need to be reinforced. And it's just going to make our game even better. And I, I think yeah. she she was always a teacher. Um, she taught on and off the court lessons. And those are the lessons that we have to continue to tell um, our young, our young females and and males. She helped many men along the way too. She was just a great a great teacher. Yeah, I was reading um, a quote that someone had up on Twitter actually recently, and I guess a young a young gentleman was um, entering into the realm of coaching college women's basketball, and he said. Well, you know, he asked Pat Summit, well, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm going to be coaching women's basketball. And, Co- and Pat said, you know, don't worry about the women part. You just worry about coaching basketball, <laughs> right. uh, which was kind of always her her position. Now, her legacy, Pat Summit Foundation, when your involvement with that and moving forward, how can we support the movement and what kind of things may we see happening or on the rise as, as we look to continue to celebrate Pat's life? Well, the foundation meant the world to her. I, you know, she, she wanted us to all donate to her, to that charity and, and help find a cure or help uh, train uh, caregivers um, to take better care of, of people with this horrible disease. And, you know, she didn't want flowers sent to her mom or her sister and family and, and Tyler. She wanted donations to be made um, to, to fight this battle. And whatever we can do to raise attention and donate to the, the fund um, is something that I'm going to remain very focused on and, and driving awareness through our games this season, um, through our SEC partnership. Um, to keep that that fight strong, and I was I was in their home the night that they um, they gave out the, the bracelets at, at University of Tennessee and um, the fierce um, rubber bracelets that are orange and purple. And um, afterwards, we went back to her home um, to have you know a bite to eat, and her mom was there. And I'll never forget the moment when her mom took out a, a check that she had folded in her pocket. And she handed it to Pat, and Pat, you know, looked at the check, smiled, gave her mom a hug, and then handed it over to Daniel Donahue, who's the, um, I guess, the CEO for the foundation. And um, Daniel uh, pulled me aside, and we looked at the check, and it was a $100 donation from Miss Hazel to the foundation to help Pat. Wow. 
And um, wow, yeah, it was yeah, it was a very powerful moment. And, you know, Pat just smiled and said thank you and put her put her arm around Miss Hazel, her mom. What a memory. And, and it is amazing watching, you know, both Tyler and Hazel. I mean, they were so strong at the celebration mm-hmm. of life and Pat's entire family and how they handled just everything. And, and, you know, watching her players, you know, I think a powerful moment of that celebration was when Tamika asked for all of Pat's players to stand. And that's truly what Pat's legacy is. You know, mm-hmm. it's left in the players that she coached and how they carry themselves as women. Some of them have gone on to coach, obviously, as well. And and she's had a coaching tree that remains very connected to the game. Um, and so it's just always nice to see the people that she's impacted directly. But at the end of the day, she's had an impact on all of us. And it sounds like she mm-hmm. did on you as well. Mm-hmm. Carol, mm-hmm. thank you so much for your time and for joining us and sharing your memories of Pat. And for all you do for ESPN and ESPNW, we wouldn't have Around the Rim podcast without your support. And just you are truly a pioneer women's basketball and the game continues to grow under your guidance and leadership and we're so happy to have you back in programming <laughs> welcome back thank you thank you hey, it, it takes a team and takes a team and, and you, no doubt about it i'm thrilled that you're a part of our team well, thank you for all of your support. We will have to have you back as we start to look at the ESPN women's basketball schedule uh, for the mm-hmm. college season coming up. You know, we definitely want to have you on to kind of talk to the fans a little bit about how all that works and, and what you do behind the scenes. So um, you'll be a regular on the show. <laughs> Love to. Love to. Like thank, thank, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us, Carol. Yes, thanks, Carol. And thanks to all of our guests who stopped by today. We spoke with Cheryl Swoops, Brianna Stewart. I mean, it's been a really fun show. So, guys, remember to contact us on Twitter using the hashtag Around the Rim. Our host, LaChina, is at LaChina Robinson. I'm at SheKnowsSports underscore. Until next week. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.